our community, your radio station. Well, now, uh, we are going to be going to the polls again. I know, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Blair, we've had enough. And am I talking about a general election? Well, I'm not actually. I mean, we may well be going to the polls in a general election. Who knows? Uh, but we're unsure about that. But one thing that we're very sure about is that next May, on May the 7th, we'll be going to the polls, certainly in Dorset, to elect a new uh, police commissioner, either to re-elect the incumbent Martin Underhill, uh, or indeed the gentleman who sat opposite me right now, who has got the Conservative nomination. His name is David Sidwick. Good morning to you, David. Good morning, Blair. Thanks for having me here. Now, David, for the people who are just completely unaware about police commissioners, uh, what what does a police commissioner do? Well, Blair, that's a very good question because I don't think it's a role that has been really very well communicated to the public. Um, The actual function of the job has been around as long as there has been police officers. Everybody knows that Robert Peel invented the Metropolitan Police Force in 1829. Uh, But really, in 1839, there was a Rural Constabulary Act, and that was everybody else, all the other counties saying, this looks good, we want to play as well. And they put in place what was called a chief constable. And the chief constable was meant to hold the police force in that area to account. Now, over time, that became part of the police force. Um, But in essence, that's one of the key roles of a police and crime commissioner, is to hold the police in that area to account through the office of the chief constable. Uh, Now... That, to me, is one of the primary roles. The second one is about resource allocation. It is the Police and Crime Commissioner's responsibility to make certain there's enough money for the police to do the job they do. And the final piece of the role uh, is that they have to... Well, they have their own discretionary funding. So a police commissioner can uh, actually give money to good causes which further the needs of the police and crime pattern in that county. Now, that's the sort of clinical sort of description. The piece which is really important is that the Police and Crime Commission is the voice of the people, and that's why it's an elected position. So any candidate, whoever they are, should be going out and asking the people of Dorset what do they want from their police. Now, you have a professional background, which is very far from... uh, from, uh, law and order it's been in sort of in health areas as a consultant um so what on earth has possessed you to come forward and 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 stand for what you hope will be this position next may well you're absolutely right blair i do not have the word police in my background apart from the fact you haven't been arrested have you uh what about no. speeding Speeding, I'm a bit guilty. I think we're all a lot a bit, of other people. Yeah. Um, You've done the course, like myself. I've done the course, yeah, yeah. And, and it's a very good course. And if you haven't done it, <laughs> I'd recommend you did it. Even if you weren't speeding. Even if you weren't speeding. So um, just to unpick that, yeah, my, my background is business. Um, it was actually in uh, large business, if you like. I was with a pharmaceutical company called Pfizer, and before that, Park Davis, And I was a marketing director. So my whole job was about driving versus outcomes, setting strategy, um, and making certain that things were delivered. Uh, When I stopped doing that, I started my own business consultancy, but it was exactly the same thing. Uh, So what you need in this role 
is somebody who understands about strategy because the police and crime commissioner sets the strategic priorities for the area with the chief constable. So they have to fit with the needs of the people and then hold him accountable for delivery of the outcomes, which is exactly right in my home base from the point of view of business skills. The more emotional question is why do I want to do it? And that is a combination of things. One is I'm from here. I was born and brought up in Winton. I've always lived here, apart from going to university. And so I've kind of got a passion for making this place as good good as it can be. When you go with that, you also look at things which are going on. And I believe that things have deteriorated a bit since the heady days of when I was um, being brought up. And I had three experiences which got me interested in the police force, if you like. Um, Like a lot of people, I phoned 101 and didn't get a particularly good experience from that. Now, I can tell you that that's improved markedly now. Uh, 88% of calls are answered in 30 seconds, which is is great, but there's still work to do. Um, But more importantly, I was involved in a situation in my local co-op where there was uh, one of the... Uh, sales assistants was obviously quite concerned because she thought a chap was going to steal and she didn't know what to do about it so I basically helped her out with that I'm not I'm not condoning sort of um, five foot two people taking on six foot four drug dealers or anything Um, but that made me think why is this happening and the last piece was very was kind of interesting I was on a sunbed on holiday And the couple on the next door sunbed was a detective inspector. And he was retiring. Um, He was retiring uh, from Scotland. And Scotland had effectively merged all their police forces into one. And he was retiring not because the resources had shifted to the cities, which it had, but because there had been a change in culture. So things which mattered to small towns, villages, neighbourhoods. They were kind of put on the back burner because there was always a bigger crime somewhere else. So he felt he couldn't do the job that he'd been doing for years. And that kind of got me thinking. I started asking questions. Somebody said to me, well, do you fancy? And I wasn't certain what to do then. Um, So I started talking to other PCCs. And I asked exactly the question that you implicitly asked me there is, do you have to be a policeman? And their words to me was very clearly, no. In fact, there is an advantage in not being one because you can ask more um, sort of non-policey questions which can unbutton things. And you don't have an implicit understanding, which means you may question more, which is an interesting way of looking at it. Now, you're coming forward at a time where the country is obviously... Well, some would say gradually coming out of recession. Some would say that we're we're still in it. But one thing we do know is that there have been a lot of talk, really, about the police being under-resourced. And I guess if you would... And you have been talking to police commissioners up and down the, the country. Uh, is it a good time, then, for be seeking the position? Do you think that we're on the cusp? I know that there's been something like 20 million promised extra from the government. Where does that fit in, in the scheme of things? And is, is it enough, if you like, to, to, f- to fill the gap which is clearly there financially? 
That's a very good question, Blair. There's two things there. One is the money itself. Um, there, I think it's pretty well accepted that because of the necessities that we've been living through over the last few years, there had to be cuts made. And as soon as possible, those cuts should be reversed. Now, I'm lucky enough that uh, I was able to actually ask the now Prime Minister um, directly. There were 10 of us in a room on the 3rd of July, and we had 50 minutes to talk to him about policing. So the first thing that we asked, and this I think goes to the core of what you're talking about, um, was would we have proper funding for the police force coming from the central pot, so not raised through the precept and the council tax, which would allow the police forces to do the job where they not only do what they have to do, but what they need to do from the point of view of the lower level crime, if you like, um, the less violent crime, but the antisocial behaviour, which tends to be what grinds people down. So that's what we were after. And you know that we got this commitment of 20,000 police officers, which is actually about £1.1 billion. But the really interesting two pieces of information that he gave us along with that was that he would look to rebalance the national funding formula. Now, that means that a mixed rural force like Dorset should receive more funding. And I'll be looking to have words if if it's I'm lucky enough to be elected <laughs> and if he's still around and the Prime Minister. Hope FM, a voice for the community. Uh, well, today I'm uh, focusing down on the role of police commissioner. Next, next May, May the 7th, we'll be going to the polls again to elect uh, who will be uh, our next police commissioner for the next, I think it's a five-year period. Now, the only person that I... A four-year period. The next, uh, the only person who has declared thus far that they're going for this role is the Conservative candidate, who is David Sidwick. And, of course, as other candidates declare, then we'll be having them on the programme as well because crime and and keeping the, 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 the peace uh, is important, very close to uh, to all of our hearts. David, money is obviously one one solution, and if Boris does keep his promise and he comes up with the uh, uh, 20,000 extra officers... Well and good, but but then what? How does things play out for the better? Well, very interestingly, before he said about the 20,000 extra police officers, he said something which was music to my ears, which is, of course, you have to look at what the current situation is, and is everything tasked as efficiently as possible? And uh, there are some questions that I would have. Um, Dorset, for example, has one of the lowest percentages of frontline officers. If you compare all the forces, there is a, a uh, the equivalent of an Ofsted called the HMIC FRS, so Her Majesty's Inspector of Constabulary and Fire Rescue Services. And if you take that and you compare across all the 43 forces, you find that Dorset has one of the lowest percentage of frontline officers. So a key question for me would be, why is that? And then there's a not nothing to do with financial allocation to the county. Well, you see that that's the point is that all forty three forces have been labouring under the same austerity. So why why are we down the bottom when it comes to that? Now, of course, Dorset was looking to join forces, weren't they? Uh, with uh, which other constabulary was it? That they it was were? Devon and Cornwall. Yeah. Now that that obviously fell by the wayside. Had had that merger happened, would that have been good for both forces? Do you think? 
I think it's very difficult for me to tell, and it's it was very difficult for anybody to tell because the business case wasn't actually the proper full business case wasn't actually going to be made public until the day of the decision. So it was very difficult for people to make sort of um, informed views on it. I I think it's to be honest, it's a moot point, um, and there are other mergers which um, have not happened, um, and there are around the country some places where things are demerging. Um, I think the fundamental issue is what can you do with what you've currently got? How can you make that the best it can be? And really critically, when you get this extra money, when you get these extra offices, how can you best deploy them? Now, operationally, that is the role of the chief constable. But strategically, it is the police and crime commissioner who, who directs the strategic priorities. Now, one strategic priority I think every force should have is to reduce crime and antisocial behavior. Not every force has that strategic priority. And that's one of the things that I would be looking at if I was to become... So reducing crime with antisocial behavior isn't at the heart... I mean, how, how could that possibly be? Um, well, uh, I'm kind of confused as well, Blair, because that's... When the police force was set up in 1829... Uh, they had nine Pelian principles. And the first one of that was to reduce crime and disorder. So, um, you know, I, I see forces, right? I see forces who have a high focus on that. So let me give you Kent, for example. Um, Kent's antisocial behaviour rate is 15 per thousand. Now, when you think about Kate, Kent, and it's got the bottom end of London, and it's got, you know, it gets in the news for having lots of immigration because that's where that all occurs. Um, so it's a very, very um, mixed community. Um, and you would intuitively think that maybe because of those issues and lots of population and all the rest of it. But it has three strategic priorities which talk about reducing crime and antisocial behaviour which makes it very interesting. And again, this is something that needs to be unpicked when somebody's in office and you can't really do much from the outside, but you have questions. So my question would be, why does Dorset have the second highest antisocial behaviour rate in the south of England? So you see, there's... there's have you come up with any answer to that question? I have. It's about strategic priorities. Um, that won't be the whole answer, and there will be lots of other reasons. For example, with antisocial behaviour, one of the factors which really helps is if you have a strong community. And that's partly the reason why you know, I'm here today, because you know, you, this sort of radio service fulfils a function of keeping the community together. And so when I go out and I, I've been talking to forums and that sort of thing, and you're seeing people very passionate about bringing their community together. And some of these forums are in areas where there is very little crime. And their issues are around areas such as speeding. There are other forums that you go to. And there has been one or two where even the people coming to the forum are a little bit concerned about going to the forum in case they're spotted by other individuals in the area trying to change the area for the good. Um, and in those areas, they have a lot of antisocial behaviour. They have a lot of drug dealing. They have a lot of things that concern them. So they have vested interest, effectively. Yeah. But the stronger you can make the community, the better it is. 
So I mean, it's a multifactorial thing, but there are questions to be asked. Now, you, you were saying that basically you have three primary roles as, as police commission. One, one is to hold the, the police force to account. Uh, uh, the second, of course, to the money and how the, bu- how the budget is spent. And then the, to use a little pot of money that you, you will have yourself mm-hmm. for to set your own strategic priorities. But, but over and above all that, and, uh, and perhaps more importantly, you said that there is a, a role to listen to what the people have to say. Now, Correct. clearly you've been, you've been expressing your own views and so on. As you've gone round, what are you hearing people say? Okay, well, there's two threads. Um, Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, I sat with somebody uh, yesterday who runs a business, and his business, he spent £50,000 on security, and every day his employees run the gauntlet of antisocial behaviour from individuals who have decided to use the base of his building and the foliage around it for their own nefarious purposes. If, you want, if I can put it that way. Um, so very clearly for him, it's about antisocial behaviour, it's about drug dealing, etc. Um, I think the point is, is whatever it is, it will mean different things to different people. For example, here in the centre of the conurbation, that may be the key issues. If you are in a small village, you may not, have those sorts of things going on. But your antisocial behaviour may be um, some people kicking off and uh, defacing the war memorial. Um, the decapitation of the silent soldier, I think, was over in Christchurch or Ferndown. These, these things have happened. And the importance of those is, is they actually upset people. They make people more fearful for their community. So to them, actually, that is really meaningful. And something I'm really sort of into is, is I've talked to, if you like, about the hard edge of what needs to happen. There is another factor, and that is the victim. And with the victim, I think we need to look at solutions which fit the victim and not necessarily fit the crime. So, for example, if your house was burgled, you might be completely devastated. You might shrug it off in a matter of weeks. It depends on the type of individual you are. So it, I think that piece needs to be done as well. Our community, your radio station. I've got uh, someone on the uh, in the spotlight today, David Sidwick, who is the Conservative candidate for the, uh, the forthcoming post, which will be... We'll all be going to the polls next May the 7th to elect the police commissioner. Of course, we shall be inviting whoever stands for that post. We shall also be bringing them on to the programme. And uh, who knows, we may be able to get them all in the same room together at at some point. But David, I mean, obviously you have stood and been selected uh, as the Conservative candidate. Uh, I mean, why did you stand under the Conservative banner as opposed to an Independent or Lib Dem or any other banner for that matter? Yeah, that's really interesting because I guess that goes to the heart of some of my values. The The Conservative Party is closest to my personal value set. And let, let me explain what I mean by that. I mean, I think everybody, um, when they look at a political party, there's some things they like, some things they don't like. And inevitably, you have to make a compromise and choose the one that fits with you the most. So when it comes to something like policing... What I'm very keen on is that the individual has the freedom to follow their own aspirations, to grow, 
to build to build whatever they want, whether it be a business, a community, a life. And they have that freedom to do that with low state intervention. And critically, they have that freedom, um, but that freedom is also has a responsibility not to infringe on other people's freedoms. Now, that, that to me is, is part of the core of conservatism. So it would be natural for me to go down that route. Um, but there's, there's some other reasons as well. That I believe that the, the Conservative Party, because we set the police force up, we actually defined those Pelian principles I was talking about earlier. And one of them, and forgive me, my brain's not that great um, early in the morning. So uh, number five, I believe, talks about the fact that the police should show no fear or favour to any, any individual, corporation, political body, but should only serve the law. Now, that was enshrined by the Conservative Party. So I think that we're, we're a party that needs to walk that talk as well. So basically what you're saying is that the police really needs to be outside the world of politics. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as a Conservative, I will keep it that way. Now, um, very clearly, there are some more practical advantages. Um, most of the other police and crime commissioners uh, along the South Coast are also Conservatives. Now, something that I am very keen on is our ability to work together and lobby government, and that would be more that would be stronger if we were all Conservatives. Now, I've got a particular issue about budgets, as you heard earlier. Um, the Met police spend 87p per person per day. Dorset spends 45p per person per day. A lump of the Met's money is to do with the amount of tourism they get in London. I'd like to work with my other Conservative PCCs and strongly lobby for extra funding for us in the summer when our population doubles at weekends in order to address that. So there's a practical advantage there as well. And if you actually compare all the forces, dare I say it, those with the lower crime rates, which I think is part of the thing that people would want, tend to be with Conservative PCCs. Now, bringing this all together and going forward, obviously what people think uh, is very important to you. You're planning a survey. I am. What will be in that survey? What is it that you want to know? I want to know two, two major things. I want to know what, uh, what are the crimes that they think the police should focus on. Um, but I also want to know the other side of the coin because uh, we are all very much... Uh, media-driven animals these days. You, know, you can't move without seeing something on TV, something on radio, um, something on social media. And those tend to form opinions. So I also want to know not just what people want the police to focus on from their feelings. I want to know from their actuality. So let me, let me give you the, what I'm getting at, for example. I think most people would say, oh, God, we've got to get a handle on knife crime. Dorset is a very, very safe county from the point of view of knife crime. Um, in a year, we would have 247 incidences. Um, somewhere like Bristol would have of the order of 5,000 incidences. So that gives you an idea of the level of difference. So a lot of people would say knife crime, but I'm interested to know what affects them. So, for example, that company I was talking to uh, yesterday, that individual I was talking to on Camford Heath, they were saying it's antisocial behaviour. So I want to know the fear and the actuality. And from that, I'll drive strategic priorities. Well, finally, if somebody listening to the programme 
wants to hold you to account and give you their opinion, how should they do it? Okay, I shall give you. Well, find me on Twitter and Facebook. That's the way so to that's find David me. David Sidwick. Uh, uh, Sidwick for Dorset. Sidwick for Dorset. Yep. Find me on Facebook or or Twitter. That's the first way at the moment. The survey, when it's complete, I will be making lots of noise about and getting it out there. Well, watch this space. And as I said to you before, I mean, obviously, David is the only declared candidate thus far. When other candidates are declared, of course, we'll be inviting them to come and have a chat as well. And who knows, David, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you all back. Uh, when you have uh, more to say and get you back as well, uh, mm. making you, uh, you know, telling us how things are going and, uh, and how things are progressing. Hope FM, a voice for the community.